We are still in Colossians chapter 3. Last week, we looked at verses 5 through 14 and called it Dress for Success because Paul uses the, the metaphor of a change of clothes to talk about putting off the old way of living and putting on the new way of living. And, and we talked about the importance of what we're wearing, whether we're wearing you know, Satan's designs or whether we're wearing God's design. And he tells us in verse 5, put to death immorality and impurity and lust and evil desires and greed. And down in verse 8, put away, rid yourself of anger and rage and malice and slander and filthy language. It says, take that stuff off. Put it to death. Get rid of it. Don't take it down to Goodwill. Don't take it to a yard sale. Burn it. Get rid of it. And in its place, put on, verse 12, clothe yourselves, dress for success with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, putting up with each other, forgiving each other, and everything is tied together with love. So, which outfit are you wearing? You know, that, that's a pretty uh, bold and tremendous difference between two different sets of clothing. Paul says, if you're God's chosen people, you need to be identified by and characterized by compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, forgiveness, and love. But before we move on from that, I want to reread, starting in verse 9, because it's the transition sentence, through verse 14, and point out some words and phrases that jumped out at me before we leave this, and I'm calling them the accessories of the Christian's wardrobe. Starting in verse 9, don't lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, Bear with each other, forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another, forgive as the Lord forgave you, and over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Now there's some phrases there, as I said, that, that stuck out at me. In verse 10, he says, our new self is being renewed in knowledge. In verse 11, he says, Christ is all and is in all. In verse 12, he tells us we are God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. And in verse 13, he says, the Lord forgave you. I, I think if we will get hold of these concepts, it will be the uh, accessorizing touches to the Christian's wardrobe. Because you know, the right accessories make the outfit. Now, Back in the day when I wore suits, 
and still the three suits that I have, one of which I think still fits, <laughs> the, the three suits that I have, every the, the, all the palette of colors that a preacher needs, gray, black, navy blue, that's it. Now, if I'm going to accessorize about the only options I have are ties and pocket hankies, you know, that's about it. Uh, but now, you ladies now, of course, I've seen some pictures of guys wearing suits that look like, you know, couch carpets or, you know, couch fabrics, you know, designs and florals and all kinds of stuff. Like, oh, my. Um, but my mom would not have allowed me to be caught dead in some of those things, right? But, but you ladies know that the right accessories make the outfit. You know, when you're getting all fancied up to go out for whatever, it, you know, the right jewelry, the right scarf, the right shrug, the right purse, you know, the right shoes, just kind of make the outfit. I believe that as believers, if we will get hold of the concepts that we're going to talk about today, they will be the finishing touches on the Christian's wardrobe, and they will add value to our lives as Christians. In verse 10, he says, our knowledge is being renewed. Basically, what we're going to do today is just take apart some of these words and look at what they mean. Our knowledge is being renewed. That's present tense. That means it's an ongoing process. It means that we keep learning. I heard somebody introduce themselves as a lifelong learner. I like that. We should all be lifelong learners. Don't get stale in your knowledge of God. Keep learning truth. Isn't it exciting when you get some new insight? into God. That's the great thing about reading the Bible. No matter how many times you've read it, you read it again and something new comes up and a new concept, a new thought, a new idea, a new understanding of God. And he says, that's what's happening. Your knowledge is being renewed on, as an ongoing process. And the word renewed means a new quality. It's what Paul's talking about in 1 Corinthians 5, 17. Old things pass away. All things become new. And you, if you can remember what your life was like before you met Christ and after you met Christ, you understand the new quality of life. Things that you once couldn't stand, you now, you know, <laughs> I remember a conversation I had with a guy who, before he met Christ, and, and they were still, you know, trying to go to church. He says, now, you know, we go to church. He says, now, like, not every week, you know, but we do go to church. And, and it was like, and then they met Christ. I was like, let's go to church. You know, it, it, the newness of quality of life and the things that you used to want to hang out with now kind of make you sick. And, and it's it just, it's a new quality of life that comes through Christ. Your knowledge is being renewed and that knowledge has with it the idea of a deepening understanding of God. Again, what a joy it is when you have some new insight, when a passage of Scripture is opened up to you in a different way. Our knowledge is being renewed in the image of its creator. See, the goal of knowledge 
is not so that you can win at Bible trivia. The goal of knowledge is to conform you to the image of God. As we learn more about him, we become more like him. The image of the creator. Or as I mentioned to you last week, we wear his logo. We wear his name on us. And we need to become more and more like him. And we will as our knowledge is increased. And we become more conformed to the image of God. The second thing he says, verse 11, is that we are united in Christ. He lists some words here that you know maybe don't mean a whole lot to us. But Jews would not eat a meal cooked by a Gentile. Jews would not go into a Gentile's house. Scythians were a group of people who were more barbaric than the barbarians were. And so what's going on here is Paul is listing what to them were different cultures, different backgrounds, different ethnicities, and he says to them, in Christ, these things don't matter. How important that truth is in our day today. This group of people that he lists in verse 11, all being together in the same church, all being together in the same building, would have been impossible without the grace of God. What he's saying in this passage is, we are all united in and by Christ. There's no barriers from birth or nationality no barriers based on ritual or ceremony. No barriers based on whether you're cultured or uncultured. No barriers between classes. No racial barriers. No cultural snobbery. We are all in Christ. And as I mentioned a few minutes ago, we focus on what unites us. And what unites us is our faith in Christ. That does not mean you don't recognize differences because there are differences and the differences still exist. But what that means is in Christ, those differences fade into insignificance because what matters is our unity in Christ. He is in all and he is all goes back to the beginning of chapter 3. Set your heart on things above. Set your mind on things above. Focus on Him, and that brings unity. In our small congregation, we come from enough different backgrounds that we could have massive arguments in this church, I'm convinced, over some you know point of doctrine somewhere that we grew up believing differently about. Okay, if that's that important to you, you wouldn't be here. You would be at a church that emphasized that. What we're trying to do is emphasize Jesus and helping people find their way to him without all of the barriers that man adds to what being a follower of Christ really is. We are united in him. We are chosen by him. Verse 12, you are God's chosen people. Now, speaking of things that could cause disagreement, I don't know what you believe about this, but 
when you preach, you can talk about what you believe about. <laughs> but I, I, need, I feel like I need to sit here for just a couple of minutes and talk about being chosen by God and what that means. Because there are some in the church world who teach that only certain people will be saved. It's called limited atonement. Christ only died for the elect. And if you're not in that group, oh well, you know, you're out of luck. I don't find that in the scripture. Some people do. I, I have friends that believe that. But as I read the scripture and study the scripture, I believe that if you look at those verses that are used in the context of what they're saying, that it's not what the scripture teaches. Here's what I read. And again, you know, you may believe that. That's fine. And you are welcome here. But here's what I find in the Bible. Joel chapter 2. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. John 3.16. You know that verse. Whosoever believeth in him. Acts 2.21. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. 2 Peter chapter 3, God is not willing that any should perish, but that all come to repentance. And it's not in your notes, but you know Revelation 3.20, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come in. I believe that the consistent teaching of the scripture is this, you are a whosoever. <laughs> Whoever you are, you are a whosoever. And if you will confess your sins and ask Christ into your life, you will receive eternal life. You are a whosoever. But the important thing is to understand what he has chosen us for, because we are his chosen people. Ephesians 1.4, he chose us in him to be holy and blameless in his sight. Romans chapter 8, verse 29, he talks about being predestined or chosen to be conformed to the image of his Son. See, the truth of Scripture is when we accept Christ, when we put on this new way of life, we are chosen to be like him. The predestination of the believer is that we are becoming more and more like Christ. And he expands on that in verse 12, when he, when he moves on from God's chosen people and he uses the word holy. We are chosen to be holy. There's a, a great passage, and, and uh, I preached on it when we were back in Colossians chapter 1, verse 21. Once you were alienated from God, were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. You remember those days when you were? But I'm so glad, verse 22, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. Now that doesn't mean somebody's going to say something bad about you. It means God knows the truth about you. And that as you accepted Christ, you are free from blemish. You are free from accusation because he has set you free. We're going to talk about that more in a couple minutes. But our purpose, our chosen purpose as God's chosen people is that we be holy. Now, what does that mean? 
In the South, when you talk about holiness, it brings up all kinds of interesting ideas of what it means to be holy. Maybe when you say the word holy, immediately you, you, your mind adds roller to it. You know, just, you know, but, but what does the scripture mean when it says we are to be holy? There's two meanings to it if you study the scriptures. It means to be made pure. You know, Christians are to live a life that is free from willful, deliberate sinning. And it means to be set apart for a sacred purpose. Each of us who know Christ have been set apart for a sacred purpose. That purpose is to become like Jesus and help others find their way to him. And, and I've, I've struggled through the years to try to come up with a concise way to define what a holy life is. And, and the, the best thing I have been able to come up with is the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That's what we are called to. As God's chosen people, we are called to wear his logo. We are called to become more and more like Christ. Oh, but I couldn't wait to get to the next phrase. Dearly loved. I told you last week that that hit me as I read that. I, I want you to stop and think. I am dearly loved by God. Nobody else may like you. <laughs> Everybody else may just put up with you. But you are dearly loved by God. That's incredible. And I think if we'd get a hold of that, it would just change our lives. More than once, I have read or seen interviews with people who are like in the fashion industry, because, you know, I'm very much attuned to the fashion industry. But when they're talking about beauty, inevitably they say this, beauty starts on the inside. And if you're not beautiful on the inside, you'll never be beautiful on the outside. And I was thinking about these accessories of the Christian wardrobe. It, it, it seemed to me that God was saying, if you only knew how much I loved you, there would be a radiance about you from the inside out. If we really understood, I am dearly loved. Not just loved, I am dearly loved by God. You are objects of his special love. I try to listen to appropriate music on my way to church on Sundays. I try to listen to appropriate music all the time, but especially on Sunday mornings. And I have an old traditional version of Jesus Loves Me on my Apple Music playlist. And I listened to it like three times on the way to church today. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. We need to get hold of that at a deeper level than ever before in our crazy world, you need to get hold of the fact that Jesus really does love you.
I know I've told you this before. As I keep my mind and keep having opportunities to speak, I'm sure I will tell you again because it really impacted me. Years ago, I had gone to a, a conference and, and one of the speakers had talked about, he said, you, you guys need to realize that people are coming into your church every week just beaten up and battered by life and, and they need to be reminded that God loves them. You just need to remind them that God loves them. And so I, I tried to start intentionally doing that. And I, I, I still try to do that, that in some form through the hour that we have together, whether it's in a song, in the pastoral prayer, in comments I make, in the message, at some point I want you to hear that God loves you and he cares about you. We had a family that uh, was with us for about a year. They had come into town because I think he was teaching for a year or something at the medical college. And the last Sunday they were with us before they went back home, the, the wife came up to me and she said, I, I want to tell you something. She said, don't ever stop telling people that God loves them. She said, my dad's a preacher. I grew up in the church. But it wasn't until this last year of hearing you every week tell me that God loved me, that it finally got through. So I hope you never get tired of me telling you that God loves you because I want it to get through. He really does. You are dearly loved by God. And if you'll get a hold of that, there will be a radiance about you that will shine in the darkest hours. Hold on to God's love for you. And then he says, as kind of the ultimate proof of God's love in verse 13, the Lord forgave you. That's the best news of all. He loved us so much that he paid the price on the cross so that we could be forgiven of our sins. And this is kind of a consistent theme through the book of Colossians. And, and I, I, I struggle because I want to use the same illustration over and over and over again. But, but you remember that he says in verses 13 and 14 of Colossians 2 that there was a written code against us. In those days when you were a debtor, there was a list of your debts and you had to sign them. And as you paid them off, they would cross them off. But you could still see them. And Paul says that Christ canceled that code. The word canceled there means to wipe it so clean you can never see it again. You ever watched a, a, a mystery or a detective show where... They're trying to figure out who this person was calling and they see a little notepad of paper and they get out a pencil and they rub it through because you can see the indention from the paper that they wrote on. You can't do that with your sins once Christ has forgiven you. They're gone. Now, the devil remembers them. And he's going to do his best to make sure you remember them. <laughs> but the scripture says that when he forgives us, he puts our sins in the sea of his 
forgetfulness never to be remembered against us again. That's incredible news. So whose outfit are you wearing? When people look at you, do they see anger and wrath and lust and impurity and greed? Or do they see kindness and compassion and humility and forgiveness and gentleness and patience? How do you treat the people you run into every day? How do you treat the server at the restaurant? How do you treat the cashier at the grocery store? How do you treat the people that you work with, the people that you live with? How do you treat them? Whose clothes are you wearing? Have you put off the old life? Have you put on the new life? And have you put on these accessories? Do you realize God has chosen you to be holy? Do you understand how much he loves you? Do you allow him to unite you with others who share our faith? We need to let the beauty of Jesus be seen in us. When people see us, let them see Jesus. You ever heard somebody say, well, you know, if you Christians would live more like Jesus, then more of us would believe in you. Well, sometimes that's just somebody who's trying to pick an argument. You know, just somebody who's trying to be hard to get along with. Sometimes it's a pretty accurate statement. Because I, you know and I know people who call themselves Christians that if that's Christianity, I don't want to be one, you know? Let the beauty of Jesus be seen in us. And we closed our service last week listening to Gordon Jensen sing a song called You're the Only Jesus Some Will Ever See. When the service was over, not before the service when I could have done something about it, but when the service was over, Pam said, you know, another good song would be Less Like Me. That's a song by Zach Williams, and 88.3 plays it all the time. And that'd be a good song, too. And I had never heard the song, so I went home and searched for it and found it. I thought, you know, she's right. This would be a good song. So we're going to do it today. Uh, <laughs> um, I don't know if you all know K-Love that plays Christian music as a radio station or, or an enterprise or something. Um, their fan awards were, were televised this week, and Zach Williams won Favorite Male Artist. Um, but this is a good song, and I'm going to let you uh, listen to it, and because this, this is what we're talking about. Lord, every day let me be less like me and more like you. That is our prayer, Lord, that each day would find us growing in our knowledge of you, being conformed to your image, becoming less like ourselves and more like you. Because our world needs to see you. So may we put on the new way of life so that when people see us, they may not be able to put their finger on what it is, but they know that there's something positive about us. And there's something about us that stirs within them a hunger to do better to be better. And then when the opportunity arises, we're able to talk to them about what faith in Christ can do. So Lord, you left us here to be the salt of the earth, the light of the world. May we be that. May we allow your beauty 
to shine through us. And Lord, for that person that maybe is listening maybe months from now, or the one who's in this room this morning, who needs to be reminded that God loves them, I pray, Lord, that we would be overwhelmed by how dearly loved we are by God. Thank you for that. Thank you for that amazing gift of your love. May we now pass it on to those that we come in contact with every day. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine on you and give you his peace now and evermore. Amen. God bless you. Thanks for coming out today. How good it is to see you all. You're dismissed.